The following is a message by Pastor Ken Prater of Durkeytown Baptist Church in Fort Edward, New York. For more information about Durkeytown, please visit our website at www.durkeytown.org. That's D-U-R-K-E-E-T-O-W-N dot O-R-G. All right, you can be seated. Quite fantastic, everybody. The Lord was so good. Thank you so very much. And I hope you were blessed and encouraged and ready to hear further. Because so far this morning, all you've gotten is the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is all you need. And we've gotten it in a variety of ways. And now you're going to get it for just a few minutes from me. And um, I'm grateful to give it to you from Hebrews chapter number one. If you want to turn there in your scriptures, uh, I had announced uh, somehow, letter or whatever, uh, earlier um, this month that uh, for just a short period of time, maybe uh, through uh, the first couple of months of the year, I'm going to be leaning into the King James translation of the Bible for uh, preaching, uh, in part because I I felt like uh, the language um, lends something to the passages that I want to be talking about. So if you don't have a King James translation, don't feel like you need to go out and buy one. You can do like Mike did. He found one uh, that looks like the original. Um, <laughs> and the print is so small that uh, somebody's going to have to read it to him. But, um, or, you, or you can go buy one. You know, they, They're still hanging around at Walmart or somewhere. You can pick one up. Um, or do like me, forget that you were supposed to do that, and then you go print off the text on a piece of paper and... Sorry, it's a day of confession. God who at sundry times and in divers' manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who, being the brightness of his glory, And the express image of his person. And upholding all things by the word of his power when he had himself purged our sins. Sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Being made so much better than the angels as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day I have begotten thee. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he saith, And let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he saith, who maketh his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. But unto the Son, he saith, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore, God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. The word of the Lord, and it is for our good. Father, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. The once and future coming of Jesus Christ 
has been the theme of the Advent season. And we have set that forth in any number of ways. Advent ending last night and today, the great season of Christmas beginning. When we reflect on then the first coming of Jesus into the world. And as Mike mentioned at the beginning, while always holding in tension the reality that he is a king who is coming again. We began uh, with Psalm 45, which is a royal psalm. And whenever you read poetry, you need to read it looking for the deeper meaning and the deeper understanding of what it's presenting. And if you do read poetry and you don't find somebody that knows what the poet's actually talking about, you might get lost. That's often me, which is why I only read poetry with commentary. All right, because I just can't get there. I'm not that, you know, adept at poem, you know, poetical literature. Hebrews 1 is an explanation of Psalm 45. And it ties together in a very uh, clear and wonderful and I think convincing way the theme of the entirety of Scripture. And that is from the very beginning a promise was made that a king would come who would crush the head of the serpent. And that king, he himself, would be bruised, but not to death permanently. For he would, as Isaiah would later prophesy, swallow up death in victory. And in doing so, he would then uh, ascend back into his father's presence There he would be the great exalted king that uh, the psalmist envisioned that Isaiah would write about, that Paul wrote about in Philippians 2, that the shepherds went to see that night in Bethlehem that the writer of Hebrews is talking about and that we are here to talk about as well today. Can you imagine that we are here thinking about a savior that has been promised since the beginning of time And if you follow Paul's argument, before there was time as we know it, before the foundations even of the world. Last week we were in Matthew 1, and I made the observation that uh, Joseph, who was a very primary character, right, in Matthew 1 and 2, and again a little bit in Luke 2, never speaks. We are only invited into the inner thoughts of Joseph. But the gospel writers, for whatever reason, mute him. They don't actually ever have Joseph saying anything. Um, we, We read his thoughts, we see his actions, but we don't actually hear him speaking words. In fact, uh, in Matthew's gospel, Joseph, after chapter 2, quickly moves off the scene And in chapter number 13, he is only referenced obliquely when uh, they're actually talking about Jesus and they say, isn't Jesus the son of a carp, the son of the carpenter? They don't even, Matthew doesn't even use Joseph's name at that point, only his occupation. I've been thinking on that. You ever have a think? Like you come up to something and you go like, I got to think about that. And you got to sit and kind of ponder, does that mean something? It seems that it means something. Perhaps, and again, the, the scripture doesn't tell us, so I don't, I'm not laying here some kind of a foundation that's unshakable here, but I, I think that, that, in, that in one sense, 
uh, we can say, well, you know, um, Joseph isn't speaking because he is in the presence of a king who is going to do all of the speaking for Joseph. I mean, don't forget that Joseph is in royal lineage, right? But he is only given custodial care for the true king. And, and what, what a gift of a father to, to Jesus, right? A man of such esteem and such character as Joseph, given custodial care for Jesus, Joseph, even though he is of royal descent, never speaks a word, perhaps because Jesus is the one who is going to do the speaking that everyone needs to listen to. He's the king. And so Joseph is deferred, muted, perhaps as a way for the reader to say, oh, oh uh, Joseph isn't doing the talking here. We need to listen uh, to the real king, to Jesus. You know, in an age of so many voices, who are we going to listen to? Uh, we don't get a lot of local television, but we happened to catch uh, a little bit of local television lately, and I saw an ad for the New Heavens and New Earth Church. And it caught my eye because it was a uh, very attractive ad. But I had been alerted to this because I had received uh, a couple of voicemails. <coughs> Excuse me, and I had received uh, some text from the New Heavens and the New Earth Church. And I had already looked it up and researched it. And it's a cult. That's C-U-L-T. Danger, Danger, Will Robinson, don't go near it. It sounded so attractive. So many people drawn into so many voices today. And here we are, we Christians who are saying there's actually only one voice to listen to. It's the voice of eternity who has spoken that the writer of Hebrews tells us is appointed heir of all things, the one by whom the worlds were made, and that is the Son through whom God has spoken in these last days. <coughs> now, can you imagine, as we suggested last night, that the church could be so arrogant as to suggest that only one voice is needed. Think about the arrogance of that. Go ahead. Google any subject and see how many options come up of suggestions that you can listen to. Excuse me, I got a little bit of cough this morning. This must be irritating in the microphone. I'm trying to get rid of it. There, maybe they'll do it. Just think about it. And here we, the church, say, oh, wait a second. You don't need to Google anything. Well, yeah, it's not true. Google some things. But when it comes to knowing what God wants you to know, there is one voice speaking. 
And his name is Jesus Christ. He is the one who fulfills the prophets. The ones who God at sundry times and in divers manners and times past had spoken uh, through the prophets. But now here in these final days, these days that we are living in in this already not yet, we have the final word of God spoken to us through his son, Jesus Christ. The one appointed heir of all things by whom also God made the worlds. You know, people say it'd be nice to see him. But the writer of Hebrews differs. He says, yeah, it wouldn't help you to see him. <clears throat> what you need to know is that this is who he is. The brightness of God's glory. That Jesus Christ is the express image of his person. And that Jesus Christ is upholding all things by the word of his power. And, and, and those things like the church goes, yeah, well, hallelujah, that's our Savior. But then the pause, the comma, and we're reminded that he did something. That he had by himself purged our sins. You see, Jesus is not the only person you need to listen to. Jesus is the only person who could have done for you what you needed done. And that is to have your sins purged, cleansed, eradicated. Not, not just kind of sort of forgiven. Not just, you know, kind of forgotten. But a complete and a total and an eternal purging of your sins that Jesus had by himself purged our sins. I ponder that for a moment. That the scripture demands us to believe that there is not only one single voice now speaking but there is one single sacrifice made for our sin. And, and that, that one single sacrifice given by Jesus Christ has resulted not only in our sins being purged, but has resulted in that Savior Jesus, who knows the deepest of humiliation, being raised on the third day and ascended and exalted in to the glories of heaven so that he sits down at the right hand of the majesty on high. There is only one single Lord on the throne. And his name is Jesus Christ. That, that is an incredible thing to say. And you know, when the apostles started going out, with that message. <clears throat> no one, I mean, there was no one else. It was just them. Wow, 120 people in an upper room filled with Holy Spirit. And they pour out into the streets proclaiming Jesus is Lord. 
And 2,000 years later, by God's grace, the world is filled. And heaven is filled. And the graves are ready to be opened so that the bodies of the righteous can rejoin their soul resting in peace and together with all of God's people rejoicing for all eternity because God has spoken through his Son, the one he appointed heir of all things, the one through whom he made the worlds, the one who is the brightness of his glory, the one who is the expressed image of his person, the one who upholds all things by the word of his power, the one and only one who purged our sin is the one that is seated today at the right hand of the majesty on high. Whatever you got for Christmas today, I, it was wonderful, I'm sure, but it isn't that. <laughs> but it is, right? It is if by faith we hold fast to it. Angels? Yeah, they were all over the place in the birth story of Jesus, right? Leading up to the birth story of Jesus. I love the angels. I love Gabriel. There he was doing his job, right? Right? But, 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 but what does the writer of Hebrews say that Jesus? Oh, he's better than that. He's more highly exalted than that. I mean, it must have been a wonderful thing. Like on the hillside with the shepherds that night, you look up, the sky is bright with the holy light. There it is. You know, and the angels are singing away, and you're like, wow, you can't get any better than that, right? No, you got to go to Bethlehem and look, look, look down there at that manger and see that baby and say, whoa, that's God in the flesh. And this is what we're encouraged to do as God's people. We're encouraged to get into his word and see this one who is the brightness of his glory, the expressed image of his person, the one that upholds all things by the word of the power, the one who purged our sins is the one seated. And to look past all of the other kind of lesser beautiful things and to see the beauty and wonder of Jesus Christ. Joseph's character, you know, and presented to us in Matthew 1 is an amazing thing. Given custodial care of the Son of God, he fulfills his work in a wonderful and good way. Mary, the mother of Jesus, fulfills her work in a wonderful and good way, but they both needed the same thing that you and I needed. They needed their sins purged. They needed a Savior. They needed the kind of Savior presented to us in verse number 8 when the Father says unto the Son, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy Fellows, what beautiful language expressing to us the exalted position of the Son who, as Paul wrote in Philippians 2, humiliated himself, giving himself unto death, even death on the cross, so that he might be exalted to the throne where he holds the scepter of righteousness, which is the scepter of his kingdom. I mean, look out at our world today. I mean, it's, it's a glaring, obvious thing. The growth of unrighteousness. 
and the general acceptance of unrighteousness. Which is why the church has to double its efforts in holiness and sanctification and being in God's word to train and teach and help us to live righteously because this Jesus that we worship, the one ascended and exalted on the throne today, holds a scepter of righteousness, which is the scepter of his kingdom. He loves righteousness. He hates iniquity. And he has been anointed with the oil of gladness. I mean, didn't, didn't you, some of you crusty old adults, didn't you like some point this morning, maybe after your second coffee or something, didn't just kind of something inside you go like, hey, it's Christmas. And like you should run down to the tree and grab a present and start opening up. Like, but then you remember that you're whatever age you are and you don't want to do that, right? Um, but I mean, just think about it. Sometimes it's hard to find the gladness, isn't it? It's hard sometimes to locate the joy. Right? And yet, this king, this king, this king with a righteous scepter, this king that loves righteousness, anointed with gladness, and that gladness spills over and pours down and covers his church to such an extent that one of the most forceful testimonies we can give into the sad, broken world filled with all kinds of unrighteousness is to be glad of heart, to be overflowing with joy in what God has done for us in Christ, who has spoken to us in these last days through Jesus. The once and future coming king that if you do not know we invite you to know him today in a relationship of faith and obedience and that if you do know him in a saving way that together we as a church might this year these next months ahead give ourselves to him wholeheartedly in devotion wholeheartedly in devotion so that we might be that testimony to a needy world. That he is the son who overflows with gladness on his people. And as we do, may the Lord bless us and help us to bear much fruit in his name and for his glory. Father, I give you thanks so much for this brief word to us this morning. Encourage our hearts with it. And Father, perhaps some home sick and unable to get to church today, others away, maybe with family and things keeping them from us, would you keep them, O oh Lord, and bless them. Again, lifting up the needy among us, and sometimes it's hard to locate our joy, O oh Lord, but may we find it today to be in Christ in all of its fullness. Father, I do lift up the sick and the hurting among us, the shut-ins. I pray, O oh Lord, for those in nursing home care. We pray for those in home care that they might know this day the joy of Jesus and that their church loves them and cares for them. And Father, for the ones in this room making it out this morning, we give you thanks for 
friends and family visiting, and the joy that we can share together. May you keep us, O Lord, with your grace. And this day bless us with the good news of a Savior who came and a Savior who is coming again. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor Ken Prater of Durkeytown Baptist Church in Fort Edward, New York. You may freely copy and distribute this message, but please do so at no charge and without altering the contents in any way. For more information about Durkeytown, please visit our website at www.durkeytown.org.